0: Welcome to the Seven Hills Church Podcast with Marcus Mika. We're excited you're here listening as Pastor Marcus is about to bring an incredible teaching that is sure to inspire, motivate, and lift you up. You can visit us on our website at sevenhillschurch.tv or download our free Seven Hills Church app to watch or listen to more exclusive content. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed the message. towards the windows of heaven, the right and wrong attitudes towards the windows of heaven. I googled this thought, and I felt like it was so fitting to maybe help you and I imagine what our attitude towards the windows of heaven might be like. When the space shuttle reenters the Earth's atmosphere, they say, this is their words, not mine, it's all about attitude control. And this does not mean the astronauts need to keep a positive attitude, even though I'm sure that helps. It's referring, this attitude control, this idea is referring to the angle at which the spacecraft flies and reenters the Earth's atmosphere. You see, when a spacecraft wants to go from space into the Earth's atmosphere, it has to go through a window. This window is an interval of time during which... ...certain conditions or an opportunity exist... ...or a window of vulnerability presents itself. The spacecraft must enter that window just right... ...in order to have a successful re-entry. So they call the wrong angle towards that window the wrong attitude, and they call the right angle towards that window the right attitude. And they say if you have, if you don't have attitude control, then what happens is you come at the entry point, that window at the wrong angle, and you either bounce off into space, never to be seen again, or you burn up trying to re-enter. But if you have the right angle or the right attitude, even though you might shake and the spacecraft might go through some violence and may even face intense heat, it ultimately makes its way back down to earth. With this in mind, did you know that heaven has windows? That biblically speaking, windows in the Bible are symbolic of the blessings of God? My question today is Do you have the right attitude towards the windows of heaven? Whether you know it or not, attitude control has everything to do with whether or not the blessings of God make their way from heaven into your life. But if you have the wrong attitude, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are, if you have the wrong attitude, the blessings of God the things that God wants to get into our life can bounce off into space or can maybe burn up on their way to our life. Daniel chapter 6 gives us a picture of the right attitude. The Bible says that Daniel three times a day would fling open the windows of his house and he would pray. Three times a day, throw the windows open and he would pray. They came to Daniel and they said, Daniel, if you keep Praying, If you keep opening those windows and praying, we're going to kill you. We've got some lions over here. We're going to starve them and you're going to be their lunch. Stop opening those windows and praying. Daniel every day, three times, opens the windows and he prays with faith and courage. Facing the threats that they were going to feed him to the lions. He did not care. His attitude was let me stay in this place of faith and courage towards the, the windows of heaven. The Bible says that they take Daniel and they feed him to those lions. They throw him in that lion's den and he is there all night and not even a flea bite hits Daniel. Because he had the right attitude. He faced risk, he faced threats, he faced danger, but he had the right attitude And as a result, it didn't matter what kind of things were trying to stop him. Ultimately, the windows of heaven were open in his life. You have another guy in the book of Acts. His name is Eutychus. And Eutychus is in the same room as Paul the Apostle. He's preaching a sermon. Paul wrote two-thirds of your New Testament, half of your New Testament at least. And he's preaching a sermon. And while he's preaching... Eutychus sits in the window, and the Bible says he falls asleep. He falls asleep during Paul the Apostle's sermon. He's so wrapped up in his situation, he falls out of the window and dies. So one guy, Daniel, his attitude is fling the windows open and pray. Expectancy, excitement, looking forward to all that God wants to do. Where Eutychus is bored, stiff, distracted by what's outside the window, sleeping, fatigued, weary, sitting, not seizing, not taking advantage of it. And the Bible says because he has a wrong attitude, he falls all the way to his death. You see, a right attitude can open up incredible possibilities for you. A wrong attitude can be devastating. Devastating. When it comes to what God wants to do in our life. A side note, the real miracle is Paul goes down, lays his hand on Eutychus and raises him from the dead. Any preacher that will pray for you after you fall asleep in his sermon. That's a real man of God. If you fall asleep in my sermons and die, I'll pray something like, Lord, to them we commit into your hands. But I'm not praying you come back. I'm, not, I'm just not... Not going to do it like that. You see, life and the enemy have a way of trying to get us to take on the wrong attitude towards the windows of heaven. And the goal is to shut down heaven's windows in our life. And so I did a little study and found out in the Bible, every time you read this word window... It has to do with something that we do as people to open or to take advantage of that window. Never in scripture does God refer to himself as a window. He refers to himself as the door. I am the door. No man can come to the Father except by me. He never refers to himself as a window because the windows of heaven, if they're open, it's not dependent upon God, it's dependent upon people on earth opening those windows of blessing, those windows of miracles, those windows of God's supply or God's provision. And my question is, based on your attitude, are you closing up the windows of heaven or are you opening those windows up? Based on having the right attitude towards it can depend on whether or not those blessings end up in your life. It's not up to God, it's up to to you. If there's an open window over your life every time in Scripture, it's because of your obedience. The first time in Scripture we see the word window is in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. It says, The fountains of the deep were open, broken up, and windows of heaven were opened. Notice this that the fountains of the deep, that's the earth, something on earth is broken, and then the windows of heaven opened up. The windows of heaven opened because there was brokenness on earth. So the first window that I want you to look at is opened by an attitude of brokenness and humility. Nothing will get the heavens or the windows of heaven to close up more than an attitude of pride and ego. God, when he looks down, the Bible says he exalts the humble. There's just something about somebody when God looks down that isn't living their life arrogant and proud but they're humble. They have a A spirit about them where they they know that they need God. And if God has done something good in their life, they don't take the credit. They don't live their life saying, oh, look at me and what I've done. No, it's the opposite. Anything that's good, they recognize it. It's because of the hand of God or the favor of God. And they're humbled even by the good things. They don't allow those things to get them to lift themselves up. And maybe you're here and you're going through crazy things. You're going through attacks or Trials or difficulties or maybe you face failure or disappointment or darkness or discouragement. Things have a way of just eating away at us and you're wondering what is going on. Why am I facing all that? It could just be God's way of leading you into new levels of brokenness because when things on earth are broken and you, you embrace that brokenness, it opens the windows of heaven in a new way and in a new level in your life. The second window that I want us to look at is found in 1 Samuel chapter 19. It's interesting to me that the Bible here literally says that David, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you, that David is running for his life. Saul has issued an order, has hired trained assassins to take David out. They know exactly where David is staying. They know exactly what part of the palace he's in. They know exactly what room he's in. And they know every single thing about his routine. And so they are camped outside of his house. And word gets to him that by morning time, David, you're dead. You're done. It's over. You're surrounded. You're finished. There's no chance of you getting out of this. And Michael, David's wife... Looks at the scenario and she says, David, it's now or never. You have one chance, one opportunity, and it's going to be you have to go out that that window. And if you don't go out that window, you're not going to survive. You're not going to make it. Did you know that you can miss your destiny? I'm not saying it's easy to miss your destiny, but if you take on a wrong attitude, like, like Eutychus, just apathetic, sitting, sleepy towards your destiny. You, you can serve God, but you can miss the greatness and the good things and the great things that he has in store for you. But if you take on a different position, you'd be surprised how many times you see God wanting to do something and you know in your spirit it's now or never. I've got to do it and I've got to take action. I've got to strike while the iron is hot. So here, Michael says, David, you've got to go through the window and you've got to go through now. And the Bible says she let David through that window. There are always times in our life where we have to choose. Are we going to go through the window of destiny in our life or are we going to listen to the voices of fear at the door? Because while David is trying to think about what he's going to do with his life, there are voices at the door that are threatening him, intimidating him, and trying to stop him from going through the window of blessing in his life. Whenever God wants to do something big or fresh or new in your life, you'd be so surprised how quickly the enemy wants to try to use fear and intimidation and worry and anxiety to get you to shut down, saying, don't risk it. It's not worth it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to survive. Don't try. Quit. Back up. But God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love and a sound mind. And so you cannot listen to those voices of fear. You have to go through the window of opportunity. It's interesting to me that we think of a story like this. The Bible is clear that if David would have listened to the voices at the door. That he would have ended up not being. Not only king, but would have ended up missing being the very one that continued the messianic lineage that would bring Jesus onto the planet. If he would have died, what that would have meant is every Old Testament prophet and prophecy up to that point would have been null and void. But God, even though all that was in the balance, God never came down to David and said, David, you better do this or else. God never sent an angel to throw David out the window. God never sent an angel to push and shove David through the window. It was the opposite. David had to choose to step through the window. And what we think many times and where we miss the windows of blessing is we think if God wants us to do it, he's going to shove us through it. He's going to push us through it. We'll know without a question. But that's not true. Many times it's just God wanting to know, Are you going to? St- is your attitude, what kind of attitude are you going to have towards it? Are you going to have that attitude that says, I want to seize it, I want to take advantage of it, I want to walk through it. It's now or never. Or are you going to be sleepy, sitting around, hoping that God will shove you through it? I love that David not only steps through this window of opportunity and not only does God begin to use him in great ways, So much so that he went and recovered the Ark of the Covenant. Brings it back to Jerusalem for the first time in years. The city's celebrating. Everybody's excited because David walked through that first window. But now look, he faces a second window experience. More than likely the same window from the same woman that helped him through the window of blessing. Now is looking down at David who's praising God, rejoicing, celebrating because of The return of the presence of God. Now she's looking down at David and she's criticizing him and she's mocking him. Notice what happened is the window of blessing actually turned into the window of criticism. Which happens to a lot of people that begin to serve God over a certain period of time. They allow that window of blessing at one moment. If they're not careful, it's turned into a a window of criticism. You get that job, you're so excited about the job, man, finally, yes, I can't wait. And then that window of blessing becomes a window of criticism. You and I have to be so careful no matter what the opportunity is to not allow our spirit to become critical or negative. The Bible says deep calls unto deep. In other words, you attract who you are. It's the law of attraction. If if you're negative, you're going to attract the negative. If you're fearful, you're going to attract the fearful. You're going to attract those things. You are a magnet many times to those kind of things. So when you get an opportunity, you have to look at that opportunity and not allow a critical spirit to take advantage of you, not allow that to get a hold of you and end up talking you out of the dreams. I don't care if you're flipping hamburgers and that's your opportunity and that's where God's got you and you're there and you're faithful with what seems to be not much. God can end up helping you be the one who owns the franchise if you'll keep a right attitude towards what other people would be critical of. Be careful when those negative voices try to get a hold of you. So the third thing that I want to look at what closes the blessings of God is if you embrace a critical attitude. It burns the blessings of God up. If you've been married, you know at first it's a window of blessing. But pretty quickly, that turns into a window of criticism. But your attitude towards the window can determine whether or not it stays open or it closes up in our life. She criticized him. And as a result, you know, the Bible actually says that Michael's womb dried up and she became barren because of her critical attitude. On the flip side, you've got someone like Jonah. He's in the belly of that fish. And in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible actually says he prays to God. This is what the Bible says. He prays and he says, God, I know you've heard me. And then he says, anything else is lying vanities. Think about this. Jonah, Michael is in a palace. She's got guards and wealth and prestige all around her. She looks down at David and she's making fun of David, saying, David, how dare you worship God like that? Don't you know that you're a king? Don't you know that you're prestigious? Don't you know that you're considered a success? You can't act like that in the presence of God where David's sitting there saying, no, I know. I haven't always been king. I could take you back to a desert where I was watching sheep. I was a nobody. I was a nothing, but God was there. God took care of me. And I'm not gonna let my attitude towards the windows of heaven become critical. So so Michael is one way, Jonah isn't in a palace, he's in the belly of a fish. And he says, I've prayed, I know you've heard me, I know that I'm coming out of this place, you will deliver me. And anything else is lying vanities. Jonah had the ability to say, even in this place, I'm not going to take on a critical spirit. Anything else besides God's for me, God's with me, God's going to come through, God's going to turn this around for the good, God is going to bring me out, God's not done with me, this is not fatal, it's not final, this, God is still working this thing out, anything else besides that is lying vanities, you got to get that in your spirit, that whatever your situation looks like, have your attitude towards the windows of a blessing. Never be critical. Anything outside of God's with you, he's for you, in that marriage, on that job, in the failure, whatever it looks like, he is with you and anything else is the devil lying vanities in your life. Number five, the story of Rahab. You might remember these spies end up in her house. Rahab is known as a prostitute in her city. And they tell her, Rahab, if you will, let us escape through that window. God's going to use you in your family. God's going to use you in a mighty way to bring about his purposes on the earth. And Rahab in spite of her past, had to look at the window of heaven with faith. Everything about her said, God can never use me. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm, I'm the lowest of the low. I'm the marginalized. I, I, I am the outcast of society. I, I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. Everything in her life said that, but she looked through that window with faith. And somehow She trusted that God could even use someone like her with her past to be about bringing his purposes into the earth. And that attitude opened the windows of heaven in her life. And not only did it save her life, but it saved her family. And if you read the genealogy of Jesus, you'll see Rahab's name in there. And Rahab actually became a part of you and I's. Our faith today is a result of a prostitute who didn't look at her life but looked through a window with faith. That's why you and I are here today. Pretty incredible. I heard a story a while back from a guy by the name of Tony Campolo, a renowned speaker and preacher. And he was preaching a conference in Hawaii. And he was jet lagged from flying into Hawaii and and he couldn't sleep. He wakes up about three in the morning and he goes across the street to a diner. He orders some breakfast, a piece of pie and a cup of coffee. And he's just sitting there in this restaurant, couldn't sleep. And in walks a bunch of hookers, girls that were working at strip clubs, prostitutes. And they sat down at the table in front of him. And he said he could overhear their conversations and he remembers a girl by the name of Lisa saying, tomorrow is my birthday. And one of them, as he's listening to it, just drinking his coffee. I don't know. Just, I guess that's what you do. Just listen in to what's going on. And one of them says, tomorrow is my birthday. And then she says, I've never had a birthday party. And the girls that are there with her, you've never like, never, you've never had a birthday party? And she says, I've never had a birthday party. And they went on with their conversation. They left, and this preacher goes to the owner of the restaurant. And he says, do you know those girls? He says, yeah, they're here every night. They're some of my best customers. He says, I, I, I don't want to judge them, but am I right that they're probably prostitutes? He says, yeah, absolutely. It's no secret. He says, well, I overheard this girl named Lisa ...saying that tomorrow is her birthday and that she's never had a birthday party. He said, if you would be willing to let me use your restaurant tomorrow... ...I want to throw this girl the biggest birthday party you can imagine. Whoever heard of someone throwing a party for a prostitute? Most Christians at this point would have already judged him and sent him to hell. So he sets that whole restaurant up. Streamers, birthday cakes presents, balloons everywhere. And the next night at 3 a.m. after their work shift, they walk in and there's a preacher with all these people singing happy birthday, streamers and balloons and celebrating and clapping and yelling surprise. And they threw a prostitute her very first birthday party and when she said why are you doing this he says last night I'm a pastor I'm here to preach and I realize that God did not send me here for a conference God sent me here to throw you a birthday party and let you know that you are loved you are valued and you are worth something more than the life that you're living and not only has that changed her life but countless of ministries around the world have resulted As that story and those ministries are directly to people that are working in that particular industry to bless them and love on them in some of the critical moments in their life. You see, what I want to talk to you about is the window of faith. That it doesn't matter where you've been. It does not matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you've been involved with. That when you just will open yourself up to the right attitude, God can show you with the eyes of faith that he's got a great future and it's greater than what your past has been. That his future is greater than the sorrow of your past. But you've got to lean into the right attitude and the windows of blessing. So many people allow their past to stop them. Rahab refused to let her past stop her. And she walked through the windows of faith. And that attitude of her failure and her past turned around to bless generations. Number six. Paul the Apostle is facing something similar to David. Assassins are looking out for Paul. They want to kill him for preaching the gospel. He's trapped in a room and his only way out is through a window. So they put Paul in a basket and they let him down out of that window to safety. But the men on the other side of that basket had to hold the rope. They had to face the weight and the tension So number six, if you want to have a right attitude towards the windows of heaven, you need to learn how to be a rope holder and appreciate your rope holders. Because nobody ends up walking in the blessings of God where at some point someone didn't hold the rope along the way. When I think of Seven Hills and who we are, just a moment if you don't mind. Seven Hills is the last church that should be where we're at. Dude, the epitaph was fatal. Done. Finished. There's no way we should be seeing what we're seeing here today. There's no way. I know you're here today saying, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. No, I am telling you, we should not be where we are. I can remember when we announced even building this building that we talked about the people that we wanted to see that were attached to our future and that we had to, by faith, step out, even though we did not know them, many of them, or see them yet, that we had to step out by faith. And there were many who wrote the names, probably many of your names, on cards. And when we poured the foundation of this building because we wanted the foundation of this church to always be about soul winning. We put the names in the foundations of this building. And I meet families almost every single week when they say, this is my cousin, this is my daughter, this is my mom. Her name's in the foundation. There were other families that we went to go build this church, walked away and left and said it was about things that it was never about. How many of you in this room have come to Seven Hills since we've moved into this building? Raise your hand. Raise it up. Look around. Now wave it, wave it. And can I tell you, it's because you've had rope holders. You don't know who they are. You may not even know their name, but they had to sacrifice. And by faith, they had to believe that God was going to use them. And they had to hold those ropes. I think it's appropriate that we take a minute and say thank you to all of those who went before us and paved a way and enabled us to be where we're at today. Which brings me to my last point. My last point, number seven. You have to have a generous attitude for the windows of heaven to be open. Malachi chapter three and verse 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, notice what it hinges on. What we do here on earth depends on depends on whether or not the windows of heaven open. Where God pours out such a blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. God said if you want an open heaven in your life, you have to bring the tithe and the offering. When you bring the tithe and the offering, it opens up the windows of heaven. But if you don't do it here on earth, it stops something, it closes something in heaven. Man's obedience opens the windows of heaven. Your obedience, when I am obedient, it opens the windows of heaven. And the Bible says that I'll not have room enough to receive what God wants to do in my life. You know what that means? That God's window is bigger than your room. That your room is limited, but God's window is unlimited. And I believe that many of you and here, God's word to you is that, that not only does he want to open up the windows of heaven, but the Bible actually says that he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. God walks out on that window and he shouts to the devil every plan that you have to destroy them, stop them, hold back the blessings of God. God himself rebukes the devourer for your sake. God's window of blessing is bigger than my room. Now, it's funny to me that whenever you say Malachi chapter 10, we're going to go to a scoreboard here real quick. Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Anytime people hear that scripture, they immediately think that scripture is about tithing. Tithing means 10%, the first 10% goes to God. If you made $10, you give him a dollar. If you made $100, you give him $10. If you made $1,000, you give God $100. It's the first thing, it's not your leftovers, it's the first that's what you do. Now, most of us immediately think God wants to get something from us. That's how we think about it. That's our attitude. That's the way we look at it. We don't like it. We get mad about it, all that kind of stuff. But I'm just going to tell you, that's an attitude issue. The attitude control issue there is you. the blessing that God can't get through because you're going at it with the wrong angle, and it bounces off. Wrong angle. So you got the wrong attitude. Don't even do it. It's not for you. But the right attitude, blow your mind. That's what the Bible says. Not me. That's what your Bible says. So check this out. Everybody say one. So there's a scoreboard here. I know I don't have the illustration today, but this is one where God wants something from you, right? Will a man rob God? You say, how have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings, right? So bring the tithes into the storehouse, one, all right? Now, we can come over here and look at another scoreboard because that's what God wants from you, right? Because of what he wants for you. But if you miss this, then you just focus on that. Because most of us in here that have heard Malachi three, that's what we focus on. But we're going to keep score, right? We're going to keep score, and I'm going to show you what it is. It's going to show you attitude. Whether you like it or not, it's going to reveal it to you, which we want to know if I have the wrong attitude. Why? Because if I've had the wrong attitude it closes the windows of heaven, I don't want the windows of heaven to be closed. I know you don't want that, but it's just an attitude issue, so look that there may be food in my house. Everybody say one. That's on this. That's what God wants to do for you. Am I right? We I mean, all think it's good to have food in the house of God, right? Spiritual food, things that are here. I heard a story on Wednesday night of hundreds of people received their prayer language. And a couple weeks ago, hundreds of people were water baptized and thousands of people have given their life to Christ even this year alone. And you, you hear all of that stuff but there was a girl on her way home on Wednesday night who pulled over into a parking lot and she prayed after service Wednesday night and God gave her her prayer language and and her dad called me so excited. That girl's life will be different when she's 80 years old. 80 years old, why? Because there was food, spiritual food for that teenage girl. Spiritual food, that's what it does. You You don't have to know it, that's what it does. Watch. I love looking at your faces. It's so funny. I've done this for so long. I know exactly what I'm looking at. It just cracks me up. That there may be food in my house, one. Now try me in this, two. This means God says don't do it unless you, you put me to the test. So God's saying if I don't come through, don't do it. If I don't prove what I'm gonna do in this area, you don't have to do it. That's pretty incredible. That's, it's the only place he says that. So say two. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you, three, come on, say three. Pour out a blessing, Four. That you have not room enough to receive it, five. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, six. So that he'll not destroy the fruit of your ground, seven. Nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit in the field. And all the nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land. 90% of Malachi 3 is about blessing. 10% is about giving. And that is a picture of what God wants to do. Whenever God says, be obedient, have a right attitude in this area of my life, it's 10% about what it's going to cost you to step into it. And it's 90% about how God wants to bless you in ways that you never imagined. But every single one of us, we have fear at the door, telling us there's no way, it's not going to work for you. But God is not a liar. He is still Jehovah Jireh. He will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He will pour out a blessing on you that you don't have room enough to receive. He'll lean out the window and rebuke the devourer for your sake. And there will be food in his house. Come on, somebody. There will be blessing in your house. And 90% will be realized more than any measly few dollars that we think that we can give to God. And we think that we have control over it. No, no, no. Give it to God. Watch what He'll do. That's right, it's a good time to escape. Sit down. You see, the space shuttle, if it has the wrong angle, it doesn't make it. But if it hits the window at the right angle, It makes it back to earth. In World War II, June 4th, I'm finishing with this story. 1944, Eisenhower had called the Joint Chiefs of Staff together. They were going to invade occupied France. Hitler was about to make an attempt to take all of England. They knew that if they did not do something, that it was over for England. And so Eisenhower called all the generals of NATO together, and they voted unanimously that on June 5th, they would launch an attack across the canal, sending tens of thousands of troops to invade occupied France and turn the war around. On June 4th, unfortunately, the weather turned terrible. Everything had to be canceled. They sent a spy plane up into the Earth's atmosphere, and it came back, and they told Eisenhower and the Joint Chiefs of Staff there's only a window. That's the exact wording they used. There's a window of opportunity in the weather. The storm is awful. It's terrible. What we're going to say is risky. Thousands of lives are at stake. If it shifts or change, it could be devastating. But there is a window of time. So Eisenhower called for a vote. The NATO generals were there and the vote was split down the middle, Eisenhower would be the deciding vote. The whole freedom of the world, the world as we know it, would be totally different based upon this one vote on how he looked at that particular window. If he voted no, it's too dangerous, and sided with the three that said we can't do it, it's too risky, then we would have lost, more than likely lost that world And this world would be run by a demon-possessed leader like Hitler. But they say that Eisenhower voted, go for it. He leaned with the three who said, we've got this window, let's seize it, let's take advantage of it. And today, the rest is history. France is free, we're free, and nations of the world are free because this general knew when windows present themselves, you go through it at the right angle with the right attitude. If you take that wrong attitude, your world can be completely different. You'd be surprised how many worlds are totally different, how many Eutychuses you have that fallen asleep when it comes to the things that God is asking us to do. Sitting down in the window we need to be flinging open the windows, praying in faith, saying, God, I believe you at your word. I believe I can trust you and that you can come through whatever it looks like. The right attitude towards the windows of heaven. So important.